Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International, right here on Tojanet, Parax, Ghost Channel, Planet Paranormal, wherever else the word can get out. With me, my co-host, all the way from the land of the Red Dragon, is the most honorable and the gold standard in ghost hunting, Steve Parsons. Good evening. I'm, I guess I'm going to be kind of surplus tonight, aren't I? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Anyways, it's going to also- be- <laughs> also joining us, my former co-host from the land of the White Dragon, I think. <laughs> he is the Ghost Finder General himself, Mr. Richard Felix. You remembered it. Good evening. How are you? Good, good. Is it the White Dragon? I don't know about that. I don't, no. I don't White know. Heart. The White Dragon. Heart. Better ask Steve about that. No, I think it's the land of the Red Cross. St. George. White... Wouldn't that be the White Heart, Richard? I'm not sure. Certainly from where I come from, it's the land of the ram. The yeah. ram. Really? Oh, yeah. Yes. For, our, for our American listeners, that's not a big Dodge pickup. A what? Wow. <laughs> no, no. Listen, let me tell you something. There's a song called the Derby Ram. If you go down to Derby Sorrel on market day, you'll spy the biggest ram, sir, that ever was fed on hay. And indeed, sir, it's true, sir. I never was given to lie. And if you go down to Derby, sir, you'll see him the same as I. And guess, guess whose favourite song that was? Uh, Karen on Keith. No, George Washington. Oh, there you go. (laughs) How's about that? There you go. So before we were talking on the, before we got on the show, we were talking about Haya. And uh, I was saying I had more hair than uh, Mr. Parsons. <laughs> That's not difficult, is it? <laughs> and, uh, Richard, you were saying that your hair is real. And it's not only real, but it's its real color. It's its real color. Of course it is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's still dark, um, which, uh, you know, annoys a lot of people. And a lot of people do think that it, it comes out of a bottle. But it doesn't. It's, it, it's not my fault that I've still got dark hair at my very advanced age. Yeah. And, and, I, refu- wait, and wait. I, re- I absolutely refuse to say what I said off air relating to another famous TV celebrity whose hair colour does come out of a bottle. Yeah, I am amazed. I know more than one uh, famous TV <laughs> whose hair comes out of a bottle as well. Or should I say the coat comes out of a bottle? But no, mine is still real. I'm, I'm blessed um, that for some well, ridiculous th- reason it's still dark. Well, I think, we can, I think we can mention one because it changes week to week, doesn't it? Um, I don't think anybody would object, certainly not Yvette, to uh, suggesting that her hair is possibly not the colour it was born with. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it's not. But, uh, yeah, but I don't, she, I don't what, know any women that have natural coloured hair. She, she's allowed to because she's a female. Yeah. The blonde bite shell is really not blonde. Actually, to be honest with you, uh, until mine fell out, mine was never the same colour for two months running. Yeah. Why? did you, you didn't. You didn't. You know I was a punk, Richard. Oh, of course you were. Yes, of course. Yeah, it was green and blue and yellow and red. No, and never all. green. Never green. Was it not? Oh. No, no, no. Too many, uh, too many no. inferences to nasal excretions for that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. 
Fair enough. Well, I never did so, that. So, Richard, uh, what yeah. do you want to discuss here? Or maybe we did. I don't know. Yeah, that'll push the listening figures up. Yeah, I know. It does. <laughs> yeah, we're not just clients, but we own the company or something like that. We own the company with clients. I forget, whatever. Anyways, Richard, what the hell have you been up to? Oh, man, what haven't I been up to? I mean, my apologies for, for never being in touch, never coming near you. I mean, I, it, do you know, it's six years since I spoke to Steve. Um, it, I don't know how long it is. It's not that long since I spoke to you, Ron. But, I mean, I, I won't go into detail, but I've, I've had uh, six and a half years of hell uh, with a massive court case uh, with a builder. Oh, I think wow. you probably – I don't know whether I ever mentioned it to you, Ron. Yeah. yeah. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. Six and a half years, and it all came to – well, it all finished – um, June, um, really this year when I, when I beat him after after well after being beaten up by him actually I better be careful what I say on air, aren't I? But uh, yeah, him and his two sons beat my, beat me and my two sons my son up in the street. Um, and um, anyway, in the end, I beat, I've defeated him, beaten him, but it's cost me. Might as well tell everybody one hundred and twenty five thousand pounds in in solicitors fees. Holy crap! No, I didn't get any of that. That was extra. <laughs> I, actually, um, Richard, it's not been six years. It's only been five. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's... that's, that's it's not thing. quite so bad now, then, is it? I feel a little bit better. But, you well, know, I just... I mean, apparently, you had to get one of my books off, uh, off Ron. Is that well, right? In fact, that's how I was just checking the date, because the last time I spoke to you was when you asked me to do something for What is a Ghost, That's right, which right, was man. published in 2009. That's correct. So, yeah. yeah. But you're absolutely Jesus. true. I had to go all the way to New England to actually get a copy, finally. <laughs> <laughs> I do apologise. Full of apologies tonight, but uh, there you go. Uh, I'm back, guys. That's all no, it is or not. No, it matters or not. Probably doesn't matter to the world, but uh, of course I'm back it does. For living. You know, I'm in the land of the dead. Hmm. So you still got the Derby Jail, Derby Jail, whatever it is. Derby, Derby. Yeah, I've still got Derby Jail. Um, that's still uh, still thriving. Um, I recently, oh, I don't know when it was, sometime this year, uh, actually opened a Derby Police Museum. In, in inside Derby Jail, um, with all manner of well, amazing things from the, from from the history of of Derby Police Force, murder weapons and uh, uniforms and sorts. So that's quite exciting. Uh, I managed to do that. Don't know how I did, but while all this was going on, and um, I'm now looking for um, police memorabilia from the Derby, from the Derbies in America. Really? Yeah, to go in the museum. Yeah, yeah. So if actually, anybody from Derby in America, oh, there's 23 of them, um, <laughs> if they've got any badges or items, then get in touch with me because I'd love to start up a, a little section about, you know, the, the American Derbies. Oh, that'd be cool. Be different. Uh, I, I actually investigated uh, the Boston jail just before Ooh. they uh, turned it over, which was pretty cool. And uh, I got a nice little souvenir from there. But, you know, uh, what's, it's not... what's that? What have they done with it? Uh, they reconverted it and actually got one of the windows from it, which was pretty amazing. Uh, they converted it to another building. It was, uh, you know, ancient, so uh, they they made it to a courthouse or something, I believe. God, tell me something. Is yes, it haunted? Sir. Is it haunted? Richard, what isn't haunted? All houses wherein men have lived and died are haunted houses. 
Amen. Amen. Longfellow. And, and of course, it's Breck, so we have the uh, stone uh, tape there. Thank you, yes, indeed. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> that's that's uh, Steve's favorite subject. Yeah, absolutely. Followed by orbs, closely followed by orbs. But I'm going to bring it. I'm I'm going to bring it back to a question that Ron asked me at the end of last week's show. Yeah. Uh, and I said that you and I were the best people to answer this question. He asked me about the hauntings of Sedgemoor. Ooh. Yeah. What? And I and I said I spent um, a very damp uh, day and a very cold night with Richard on the battlefield at Sedgemoor whilst Richard ran round shooting guns. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, tremendous that was, wasn't it? And do you know I've done nothing with it. I've got I've got I don't know how many, about nine nine films, uh, whatever mini DVs, or whatever you called them, uh, of of you and me, Steve, and and Sons Ed and 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 Wills and Derek. Derek Akora came down, you know, as well, and we did. Oh really? Oh yeah, we did three. I did three days with him on the on the battlefield. Wow. Uh, psychometry, all some, um, and I tell you what, some amazing stuff. Really, from Derek, uh, psych- some of the psychometry with the cannonballs and things out of the museum that were off the battlefield. Um, quite, a- and you know, well, again, you see, I've done nothing with it. It's just sitting there uh, in a box, waiting to be edited, to be turned into a pilot for Battlefield Ghosts. Oh wow! That would, I mean, you've always talked about Battlefield Ghosts, and of course, I had my experience with you at uh, oh, boy, <laughs> yeah. That but was tremendous, it? Before we get to that, let's go back to Sedgemoor. I mean, Steve yeah. was there too, so I mean... Yeah, yeah, I'm allowed out occasionally, Ron. Yeah, well, so what happened? I mean, I mean, you, you got to tell give me a little bit. You just can't say I spent two hours in the, uh, I mean, 14 days there. you got to tell me a little bit. Who, who's going to tell, him what, who's gonna tell well, him what happened, you well, or me? Well, well <laughs> Richard, you're, you're the great storyteller and the you great orator. you history first, though. you got to tell the history because no one, you know, in the States really probably knows about Sedgemoor. Yeah, the Battle of Sedgemoor was uh, fought in 1675 um, between... Between um, the Duke of Monmouth, who was the illegitimate son of King Charles II, uh, but he was a Protestant, and we had a uh, Catholic king on the throne at the time, and uh, he came back over from Holland to try and take the throne, and uh, was was severely defeated uh, in a play in Somerset uh, in the southwest of, of England by the king's troops at the Battle of Sedgemoor. Um, I think it was more of a slaughter than anything, don't you, Steve, to be honest? I think they were defeated by six inches of water, weren't they, in the end? Because <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, the drain... The, the, yeah, the, the green, as it was called. Uh, a, di- a big ditch that was between them and... it was a sh- To be honest with you, it's terrible, because it was a shambles. But, I mean, the, the Duke of Monmouth... Um, Got a few thousand um, peasants, farmers. They called them the Pitchfork Army, um, and the, I don't know. They it, had there not have been a very large ditch in between them and the and the government troops. There's a possibility that they may have may have taken them by surprise and and won, but you never know. But uh, the king's troops, of course, had got a lot of artillery. Um, a lot of muskets uh, and cavalry and, and this other, the, you know, the poor 
the poor chaps, the Protestants, that were uh, not very well um, armed, to say the least, and the discipline wasn't very good because they weren't they weren't real soldiers. Um, but they were determined, and and it turned into a a slaughter. It really was. And the Duke of Monmouth uh, ran ran from the battlefield. Um, his ghost is reputed to still haunt the battlefield, seen riding away from the battle. Um, he, the fascinating bit for me is, is the fact that he was captured, um, brought to, uh, to London and executed, and it took the execution... He was beheaded. It Ouch. took the executioner five blows to take his head off. Wow. Beheaded. It was it was not a pretty sight. Trust me, he was still alive. I think after the third blow. Oh, yeah, not good. It really wasn't. He had a, he had the death of a dog. I'm afraid. Um, and again, he's you know, that's the sort of trauma that I think can probably cause a haunting. Um, but uh, yeah, quite a very interesting. But Steve and I spent you know. A day and a half down there um, uh, on the actual anniversary, you know, anniversary ghosts, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, but there was, there was Anne was there too. Um, she was indeed. And yeah. we we were the the idea was, of course, to see if the spectres of the battle would would uh, reappear on that um, on that. Fateful. And yeah, you also we also set up uh, an interesting experiment that involved. Um, <laughs> Live musket, for live. Uh, it was a live pistol, wasn't it? You had, pistol, you had a pistol, yeah. and we were a, we were we were able to, at a distance of approximately um, three quarters mile. of a mile. Yes, maybe a bit, maybe even a little further to to detect the pistol shot. And I can't for the life of me remember why now. Do you not remember? Well, it's, it's you see the fascinating story is that that um, the. Um, Duke of Monmouth's army obviously was was totally yeah, outnumbered and outgunned and out everything, and they they actually decided that the only way they could win would be to come come across um, the the moors, the bog as it was. It was a, a very um, th- this is where all the floods were in in uh, last year, um, and and it's a very wet area. They had a they had a guide that took them over, and the whole idea was to, to was to attack the uh, the government army during the night while they were asleep. Um, and legend has it that a picket, um, a cavalryman, was out there on guard duty, saw this phantom army coming across in the mist. Uh, and fired a pistol to alert the troops. Now, what we tried to do was to see whether this pistol would have been heard anything up to a mile away, and it was, wasn't it, Steve? It absolutely was, and um, it was... It was. I think the reason I forgot was be- probably because we were fending off... You had, you had gone over uh, the other side of the, of the moor yep. to fire the pistol and left us fending off your hordes of fans in the car park. <laughs> because word had got out that the great Richard Felix was in town. Well, was, was, in, was in a ditch near town. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, we, were, we were fending off. Where's Richard? Where's Richard? Oh, Richard, he's... he's <laughs> the whole, it was supposed to be a huge secret project. 
It was indeed. There were lots of lot. The trouble is, you see, it was the anniversary run of the of the battle. So of course there were. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit like when we did um, Borley Rectory. Um, yeah. Similar situation. We happened to do it on the anniversary, and and um, everyone and his wife came came down because yeah. it was the anniversary. Well, that led to a, a brilliant comedic moment at Borley. Uh, we, we, it wasn't just Richard and I. We also had Kieran O'Keefe and indeed. Simon Sherwood. And it was indeed the anniversary, the 28th of July, the famous day upon which the Phantom Nun is set to walk. And uh, we, were, we had groups of us in the back and in the front of the rectory site and uh, some over in the churchyard. But in the early part of the evening, the village does get a little overrun with ghost seekers. And coming up the lane uh, was a group of them, and they were all wearing most haunted sweatshirts and jackets. <laughs> That's right. I, I luckily at that at that moment they hadn't shown series eight, so they didn't know me. I hadn't been seen on television uh, in association with the program, but I was stood next to Dr. Kieran O'Keefe and Richard Felix, mm-hmm. who both got a hand planted firmly on top of each other uh, of their heads and forced down behind the garden hedge <laughs> with strict orders to stay down out of sight until these people had wandered past. Who nodded to me and said bade me good evening and moved on, at which, uh, at which point we all beat a hasty retreat back into the house. Inside, that's right. That was fantastic. We actually hired, uh, because Borley Rectory, the most, what, oh, the most haunted house in, yeah, in, in, in Britain, reputedly, um, they knocked it down in 1949, wasn't it, Steve? Oh, well, it burnt down, first of all, in 1939. Sorry, burnt, burnt port fire, and, and then, then they actually knocked yeah, it down. That's right. And, it, and they basically uh, built three bungalows on the site of of Borley Rectory and, and I can't remember Kieran and I had gone down to Borley to do some research about Harry Price and we, I don't know, we just knocked on the door of, of one of the bungalows and this lady obviously recognised us both, took us in um, gave us tea and biscuits and we negotiated hiring her bungalow on the night, and it cost us £2,000. <laughs> she moved out with the family and left us to it, didn't she, Steve, on the night? It cost a huge amount to, to yes. get rid of wow. it. Um, and we, we were able to secure the use of the bungalow for for the entire night. It's interesting because the bungalow, uh, we projected it onto the old maps. We overlaid modern That's maps right. onto, the, right. onto the older maps and discovered that, in actual fact, the, the, uh, the Blue Room, one of the key areas of the rectory itself, more or less overhung the property um, and uh, mm. the modern property, the modern bungalow, and so we we spoke to the to the homeowner, the property owner, and found out that he was in, in fact at that precise time excavating a trench to do some groundwork on the outside of his property, and in the base of the trench we discovered uh, several courses of bricks, yes, which which had to have come from the rectory. So he, he generously gave each of us a, a brick. And uh, subsequently to that, the bricks we took, just to be absolutely certain, we did take the bricks to be identified because, uh, strangely, there are people who, who study bricks. Um, and, and they were confirmed as uh, the red Victorian brick of the type that was used in the rectory. So, so they were bricktologists? They're, they must be bricktologists, and uh, I, I'm in fact mine several feet from me now on the end of the bookshelf. Yes, mine's here as well. We, yeah, why on earth we didn't sign each other's? I don't know. Uh, we well, I don't think you know, I'd want you defacing my baldy brick. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Although, interestingly, <laughs> K- Kieran's... Every time you like, Steve. Yeah. Kieran sold his. I never did. He put it on eBay and he sold it. How much? Uh, I have no idea, but he, there was a, there was a, a, a mini uh, a brouhaha uh, with people, you know, because he put on the story about it, it, that it had been properly obtained from Borley, and lots yes. of people complained and said that that wasn't possible. Oh uh, yes, it was. But we but we know the story because we were actually there. We were there. We were but, those men. <laughs> so that means that uh, I don't know where Kieran's brick is. I know where mine, yours, Anne's, and Simon's bricks yeah. are. Yeah, uh, and we were the only ones that got them. That's right, now because they are quite something. I fancy selling it. Mind you, it's a lot of stuff, I think, didn't they? But uh, yeah, well, clean house. That was uh, another interesting uh, visitor that night. We had was a young boy, a young gentleman by the name of Dean, mm. who brought along. He, he was a, a great fan and collector of Harry Price memorabilia. That's right. Yeah, and he brought along on the night some uh, some of the memorabilia that that he had. Did you uh, not obtained buy or him? <laughs> well, I was about to say yes. Ultimately, uh, yeah. about eighteen months later, uh, he contacted me to say that he was. Um, moving on from his Harry Price collection and wanting to find a good home for it. He remembered the, the interest I'd expressed in the collection whilst we'd uh, been at Borley. And now, again, it's right next to me and, and still growing with new acquisitions. And what a even, home it was. Even today, a brand new acquisition has arrived for the collection. Well done. I, What's that? I have a piece Not of Harry Price's Rolls Royce. No, no, I wish. I know where it is. Really? It's still, really? it's still, absolutely, really. It's in a motor museum. Is it haunted? Uh, <laughs> do you know? I've never thought to ask. Well, I'll tell you why. Because I mean, I've, I've, my latest deal gets it's Richard Felix plug time. I actually, uh, before all the trouble started, also did another pilot, which I'm still waiting on, called Ghost Cars. Oh yeah, I remember you talking about that. That's right. Yeah, and I did it, completed it, and I've just brought it out on DVD. Um, and the plan is to go round. Um, some of the very famous haunted cars on the planet mm-hmm. uh, and film in them. And I actually did it in a, in a Ford Capri, 1970-something Ford Capri, with the number plate ARK666. Mm. You, can have my, you can have my Lego Ecto-1 if you want for the next no, series. that would have been the same. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was quite something. So I, did, I actually drove, it, drove this vehicle down to, to uh, Beachy Head. And parked it on the edge of Beachy Head with a very, very large Shogun four-wheel drive vehicle tethered to it and spent the night in it. Really? <laughs> and I didn't go over. I'd have been more impressed if you'd have done it without the Shogun attached to it. I did. I did. I even opened the sunshine roof, put the window <laughs> seatbelt on just in case. And nothing happened. Oh, oh Richard, you're shame. such a lightweight at times. <laughs> I will tell you a story. I shouldn't. This is very bad of me. There's a place in in, uh, um, the south coast of England called Beachy Head. It's it's White Cliffs, isn't it? Is it, Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Like the White Cliffs of Dover. And and it's a fascinating thing because it's it's, um, numerous people commit suicide. Uh Oh. by, By throwing themselves over the off the cliffs uh and in fact i tell you how serious it is they actually have um i'm trying to think what they call them uh guys in 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 land rovers um driving up and down they're like they're like um i'm trying to think of the word not like not vicars 
Sorry? Like Samaritans. Like, yeah, but they're called... Oh, pastors. I can't pastors. Like... That's it. Pastors. Beat your head. Pastors. Not pastors. Pastors. And they actually drive up and down uh, in case they see anybody uh, st- genuinely standing on the cliffs ready to throw themselves off or to drive their car off. Uh, and, and did any of them approach you, attended to your shogun? No, no, they didn't. They didn't, but it gets better <laughs> because basically while we were doing some of the filming before we took the car in the daytime, um, we, we walked up there and I was standing, and I don't like heights, and we, there was me and the camera guy and another guy with me, and we were all standing there uh, and sat right next to the guy, sat on the edge. Oh, right wow. on the edge. This is true. Dangling his feet. Over there, I mean, Christ knows, I was about 500 feet down, I think, or something like that. And he actually stood, sat dangling his feet, and I didn't, didn't even go near it. But basically, we, we thought, is he or isn't he? <laughs> so I said to the guys, camera guy, I said, do you think we should ask him if he's going to do it? Because we've got a camera with us, and if he's going to do it, will he do it now, please? <laughs> got the cameras. Anyway, just got up and walked off. Oh, that's a shame. Lost opportunity there. So, let me ask you guys this. Uh, You talk about that with the high rate of suicides. I mean, we have the Abasquan Ridge here in, uh, Ledge, excuse me, here in Massachusetts. But, you know, this this place is like the suicide forest in Japan. Do you think certain areas, I mean, why why such a high number in particular areas? I think it's an an you see, a fa- you've got a fascinating one in Pasadena as well on Route yep. 66, uh, uh, Suicide Bridge, uh, and um, I, I think uh, to quote my my one of my heroes, T. C. Lethbridge, um, he's a guy that's a great believer in in thoughts being left around, and in other words, all you need is for someone to go up and stand on the edge of beat your head. And think that they're going. To, you know, they want. They're, they're very. <clears throat> how can I put this? They've got. They've got nothing but dark thoughts in their in their minds and their heads, uh, and they stand there for half an hour contemplating throwing themselves off, and then don't, and turn around and go home and pour themselves a large whiskey, and then you know, and they live happily ever after. But they've actually. For want of a better word, if, if there's uh, if there's a stream nearby or or something like that, you know, the, I think the thoughts get get encapsulated in that area and and other people come along and those thoughts almost get transmitted to them which reminds me to do it which reminds me whatever did happen to that magazine article i wrote for you i've still got it in a drawer (laughs) (laughs) which which was that site which was precisely what you just just talked about yeah uh yeah left uh tc left of course you agree with it because you wrote it (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I was just wondering what happened to the magazine. Never happened. Well, again, it, everything just—I just let go of everything, mate. I'll be honest with you. I, all I all I had to do was try and stop myself from being defeated and losing my home and my livelihood and everything else. And and I took on—I took on the court case myself, sacked my solicitor and my oh, barristers, wow. and took it on, took it over myself. Well, anyway, we got to take a break right now. So uh, you're listening to uh, Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons, the gold standard in ghost hunting according to the Wall Street Journal, the ghost finder general himself, Mr. Richard Felix, in the most humble Van Helsink, right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And I still have a few more seconds, so I have to bamble on. <laughs> Seven seconds. Okay, here we go. Five, four, four three. three. Two, one. We'll be right back after the following messages. 
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family. Greetings and felicitations. I am Ron Collette, New England's own Van Helsing. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the Blonde Bombshell. And we're here at the elegant Benefit Hall, the Downton Abbey of Menace. And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you to tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. On TogiNet, ParaX, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal. You can even listen live on your smartphone with your tuner app. I'll catch the podcast on iTunes. And now, time for two. And from downtown Abbey, we return to reality with Ghost Chronicles International Part 2. Our very special guest tonight is the former co-host... Uh, of the of the show, a man who styles himself the Ghost Finder General, Richard Felix. And I have a question for Richard because I noticed your and we're going to come on to uh, uh, your work with Derek Acora shortly. But mm. I noticed Derek had some pictures up this week uh, from an investigation up in Edinburgh, Scotland, um, with a gentleman who wasn't you, who was titling himself the Ghost Finder General. What? Now. Is that okay because he's north of the border? That's a very good question. I know, I'm trying to think who they are. I met them. Um, I didn't know he'd 
labelled himself as the Ghost Finder General, but uh, mm. I, used to, I remember them calling themselves Ghost Finders. Um, so I suppose, yes, he's a Scottish Ghost Finder General and I'm the English Ghost Finder General. That'll do, mm, won't it? I, and I wouldn't accept that. He's the Scottish no. Ghost Finder General because I, I, they, but you are the. Oh. <laughs> I mean, come on! You've had the you've had the leather jacket for longest. I definitely had the leather jacket for an awful long time. There's no doubt about it. Yes. So uh, thank you for that. So that's a fi- it's official. So he's the Scottish one, and I'm the absolutely. Now you're you've been working alongside Derek on lots of projects over the years, but you have yeah. a current project that's ongoing. One that um, is is a stage show, interestingly called yeah. Psychic and Science. That's right. And I think you've got one more for this year still coming up. We've got one more uh, next week on fr- Friday, I think, in um, Elscar, uh, which, of course, we did on Most Haunted many years ago. Um, yeah, I've done it before. Um, it's, it's, I think it's different. It, it's basically everything that everyone thought Most Haunted Live should have been and, and wasn't, um, because basically what we do is we... we involve the audience it's, it's the audience's show rather than our show and we we bring the audience on the stage all the way through to 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 have a go at everything from glass divination to human pendulums and and table tilting and you name it um we, and they love it and it goes really really well but the, the thing that really gets through to me Derek has about 20 minutes at the beginning because obviously everyone that comes along to a show with Derek they 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 want and expect to see hear him do readings for people and I stand there and I think wow (laughs) It's, it's all I can say to you guys because um I, I know all about the cold readings and all about everything else and, and, and um, comments about, um, you know, is Derek Akora fake and are mediums fakes? And, 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 but I stand there and I listen and I think, because, you see, remember that I, this, is, this isn't my show. This is, this is our show. And I know full well that there are no stooges here. He, he does not have a, a headphone on where people are giving him messages. Uh, nobody stands and talks to the audience before they come in and asks them, what are you expecting from tonight? There's nobody's put in specific seats. There's none of that. And, and the thing that really, really has come over to me more than anything else is that Derek only has 20 minutes. And at the end of his 20 minutes, because Son Ed actually um, hosts the show, and Ed almost needs a cattle prod to get Derek off the stage. Hmm. Now, in other words, what I'm trying to say is, you, you know, if oh yeah, the, all mediums are fakes and da da da, which I don't, I don't think they all are for one minute. Um, why would you want to continue on if you, you know, four? Thank goodness I've got through that twenty minutes. But there's none of that. He wants to carry on, and I, you know, I tell you what, I've seen a very different. Derek Akora to what I saw on Most Haunted. Yeah, Derek was a guest. We had him on, on the show quite recently. And um, as, as you say, he has... Dark, an... I don't remember that. Really? Actually, uh, Richard, if you, do, uh, if you do get a chance, in fact, everybody listening, go back, scroll back through our podcast and find yeah. the episode with Derek Akora. And, and listen to Ron turn into fanboy. Really? He was like a giggly <laughs> schoolgirl through the whole show. But yeah, that wasn't... Yeah, yeah. Now... Yeah, yeah. Now, 
you know, I, I, I know that Derek has a, has a fantastic reputation, and um, as, as somebody in the chat room is saying, he, he, he is a fantastic and lovely individual. Correct. Um, and just coming back to the stage show moment, I know it's run in different guises over the years, and I've been on record as publicly stating, I get where the psychic is, but where's yeah. the science? Well, basically, so, the science... Where's the, the science, Richard? The science comes in, basically, at the end... Of the thing, really, when well, that's not true because obviously, I mean, I do my theories basically because you see, uh, Derek has his 20 minutes, and then I have my 20 minutes or more of of the what is it? Yeah, you're another one that needs a cattle prod to get off the stage, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I go through all through me. Oh, every oh, the stone tape. Oh, that was a silly TV program in the seven. Now, I go through all me, you know, my silica and my stone tape and my recordings and, and all of that sort of stuff. 60%, I still believe, uh, is a recording held in the fabric of the building. Silica, SiO2, silicon dioxide, blah, de, blah, de, blah, that sort of stuff. Um, which is call it whatever you want. It's it's scientific rather than um, rather than what's the word I'm looking for. I, I, I got pulled up, of course, for referring to it as Scooby Doo. Uh, but in other words, I'm trying to provide, produce a scientific explanation for at least at least sixty percent of what we call a ghost. Um, and then at the end, what we've created is this stone tape projector where we actually wire up the, the haunted area of the building um, with a Wimshurst machine and zap electricity into it oh. and try and get an image to come out of the... In other words, exactly the same as in your perception. Uh, when you see the image of, a, of you know, like the 20 Roman soldiers that went through the wall in Treasurer's House. You know, I believe them to be a recording held in the fabric of the building, or should I say in the granite of the Roman road, which is underneath their feet. Um, and so basically what we do, we have um, plasma, plasma bulbs, um, a um, crystal set, um, a police scanner, um, frequency scanner, um, all of this sort of stuff, all wired up, which is perhaps nonsensical if you like, and then we zap the building with electricity, and we have uh, silica smoke, which of course is dry ice, um, with four, four smoke machines going up into the air, and we get all of the audience to uh, do a what we call a Robbie Williams, where they all get their cameras out and their phones and start taking photographs of the smoke. Hmm. And you want to see some of the images that the public have got from from this um, rather nonsensical, if you like, scientific um, experiment. Because all I'm saying is, problem I've got, Steve, is how much electricity do you put into a wall to get the image out? Half a volt, 12 volts, 9 volts, 240 volts, 20,000 volts? I haven't got a clue. But at least I'm trying to do something that is for want of a better word, a form of experiment. Mm -hmm. So, to a certain extent, but, you know, perhaps, I, we know I need help. Everyone knows that. Psych <laughs> psych <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you see... No, I, I know the show is, I mean, I, I've, seen, I've seen some of the video footage yeah. from the show and I've, I've, I've followed it over the years. Um, and it's gone through different incarnations. As indeed, uh, the, the stone tape projector itself has. We've had... It has. Uh, one of the one of the team associated with the, with its early development as a guest on the show in the past yep. also. Yep. Tim Tim Morton's. Um, 
the this idea of photographing the the smoke is in, is an interesting one, and one that's that's seems to have developed within the greater paranormal community, both both sides of the Atlantic. There are now teams who use smoke generators in haunted locations, and in fact, really? uh, and and do the same thing. They photograph it. Now they they might um, they might you might lay claim to the idea, but I'm going to lay claim to the idea. Not a problem. Because um, if anybody remembers that dreadful, dreadful show, Paranormal Investigation Live, which ran for no. one Halloween only. That was uh, up at, um, in Scotland at, at, um, at Me- Castle Me- Menzies. Ca- Castle Menzies. Yeah. Uh, Castle, I didn't uh, watch. Castle, Castle Mingis, actually. Mingis, probably. Yeah. Um, I was asked to devise an experiment, um, which, in, which, which was basically fill the room with smoke and... No! backlight it and then photograph the results and stick the ghost hunters in the middle. But in the middle of the room, um, in amongst all this smoke and backlit chaos, we had uh, the death mask of King of uh, Bonnie Prince Charlie. That's correct. Absolutely right. And uh, the idea being that that would draw the, the phantom in and then right. the phantom would disturb the smoke field. Yeah. Uh, and and would, would or might be visualised. And it, as I said at the time, you know, it was made for television. It was made for... Did it know, work? A, a, no, did it? Of course it didn't yeah, If I could just say this yeah. quickly, I didn't nick that because I never saw the programme. I didn't know you'd done it. But, no, but I'm, just saying that, I'm just saying... I, who, I wasn't saying that you nicked it. I'm no, saying you, that... I nick most things, but everyone does, don't they? We all nick things from each other. Oh, absolutely. Now, I wasn't accusing you. I'm saying wherever these ghost hunters got it from. That's awesome. I didn't know that. But can I just okay. stop you there very quickly? Because the, the difference between what you did there and what I'm doing is, you see, I don't believe that, that what people are, are maybe photographing in the smoke, I don't believe that to be the spirit, soul, uh, energy, um, intelligence, or whatever you want to call it, of a dead person. Um, I believe that what I'm trying to photograph is is exactly the same as as projecting onto a screen uh, a film of a John Wayne film, a recording. Uh, And in that case, I also have to say that whatever they were attempting to photograph during Paranormal (laughs) Investigation Live, (laughs) I had had absolutely no illusion or delusion that they were going to photograph a phantom. (laughs) You know what the world of television is like, Richard. (laughs) But I tell you, the other thing I must say about this, of course, the biggest thing for me, of course, is that, as I've always said, and I say to every, you know, on every show that we do when they're doing it, the biggest problem you have, guys, is that if you stare into the clouds long enough, you'll see a face. Right, pareidolia. Yeah. And, and so, but I must be very honest, we have had some very impressive pictures. And, and uh, in other words, what I'm really saying is now getting into my stone tape theory is if what I'm saying is even remotely possible, I am, I'm talking of medieval CCTV. Yeah, that's true. And, 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 and my other, one of my many phrases is, is today's magic will be tomorrow's science. And, and, you know, it sounds nonsense. What I'm saying is sounds nonsensical to people now. But in 20 years time and a murder takes place in a building and the police come in, scene of crimes officer come in and they write their like, fingerprints on that glass, write bloodstains on the table. And one of the policemen turns and says, well, never mind that. Let's just plug into the wall and see who did it. Well, while you were talking, Richard, something came to me, and I, I kind of want your opinion on it and yours too, Steve, as well. What if, you know... It, 
if you believe in astral projection where we can project ourselves out of our body, what, what if at the time of death, or like especially in a, in a murder death, right, where, where we're actually, uh, are, uh, you know, in pain and everything, what if the body, a defense mechanism, projects itself out of it and maybe that's what a spirit is? I, I think, well, I think that not necessarily it's the spirit that comes out, but I think the thought, you see, again, I'm back to Mr. T.T. Lesbridge again, you know, thought transference is, mm. is something that, that, in other words, near-death experiences, um, um, crisis apparitions, uh, where the soldier actually is still alive, uh, is think, you know, he's, he's either dying or, or he's on the verge of, and, and he actually, as you like, like you say, almost projects his image 2,000 miles back to his mother and the, and 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 the his his image appears at the foot of the bed and 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 you know mum sees him before and then the following morning or two days later a telegraph comes you know to tell her that that the lad was killed you know hours after she'd seen or yeah some af- after in other words as you know you i'm sure you agree with me here steve uh, you know there's a lot of ghosts that are actually still alive that people say. Possibly even the majority. We've we've mentioned before one of the most interesting of these crisis apparition cases took place within within comparatively recent years when a Canadian airliner ran out of fuel mid-Atlantic and was fully expecting to ditch into the Atlantic. All four engines had stopped, Mm -hmm. the aircraft had run out of fuel. Back home in Switzerland, its destination, a woman woke, awoke in the middle of the night to see an apparition of her son who yep. was aboard the flight, stood at the bottom of, uh, of the bed. She woke her husband. She told him that she believed her son, that their son was dead, and she noted the time from the bedside clock. Uh, the plane didn't crash. The pilots were able to successfully glide the aircraft all the way to the Azores, where it made a safe landing. And... What you have there is a very interesting account where both parties survived, and when they checked the times, um, that was the moment when the son was thinking about his parents, was thinking That's about right. home. That's right. And, and he had projected an image of himself into the thoughts, uh, whether it was a, a, an actual image of him standing there or whether it was a hallucination that in, in the mind of his mother that yeah. she had projected yeah. onto the... Perception. You know, it's a, it's a fascinating. You talked about thought transference, and of course, that's one of the great tenets of psychical research. Yeah. There have been there have been you know numerous books uh, written about thought transference as a mechanism for explaining why we see and why we experience ghosts. And of course, you've got to you've got to have that human element because it is an experience. You can't just investigate with equipment in isolation because you're removing 50% of the case. That's right. In order for for somebody to experience a ghost or hear a ghostly sound, they have to actually be there to have the experience. And so it's important that we do and that we never forget that whilst these great machines that shoot electricity into walls and blow smoke up up ghost asses... um, (laughs) <laughs> are, are there I'm trying they're, they're, they're not there they, they will never really give us the answers that we're seeking the answers are, are, are they're a mixture of the human experience and, and an extraordinary human faculty this yeah, one we that we don't understand. understand we don't understand, we're not doing enough research into our own minds into our uh, own one of the many no, things... That you no, we're absolutely to... not. We're, we're sitting behind K2 metres talking to flashing lights. Thank you. And, and 
talking to recorders and straining to hear yep. sounds yep. and interpret yep. them as EVPs and forgetting that in amongst all of this, there is a human mind that is way outstripping the, the ability of a K2 meter. Yeah, and it's and it's absolutely, definitely implicated in the ghost sighting or the, the, the hearing of the ghost sound yep. because it is, after all, a human experience. That's correct. And so we cannot... We can't just dismiss people and say, right, well, you know, everybody leave the room. I'm going to talk to my K2. It's completely ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. But, uh, d- d- have, there's something that I've, I've, perhaps you've heard about um, that was in the newspaper last week, and I, I didn't get the whole story, but there's some guys somewhere, and I'm not sure where it was, that did some experiment. Oh, the lab in Switzerland. Well, no, no, it's, I don't think it's the same. It might be the same one, but there were, there were, uh, there's a, uh, two gamers, and I, I'm not sure what a gamer is, but I think it's some... Do they not play computer games or...? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is this the same story? And this guy actually somehow, through his computer or through a doth, another machine or something like that, actually, through his thought transference, transferred his thoughts to another gamer miles away and, and basically instructed the guy how to play the game have you heard this? No, I haven't. I oh, thought you yeah. were, I, I thought you were going to talk about the connect, the connect this is sensor. Different. And this guy actually played the game through the thoughts of another fella. Wow. And now talking about the possibility, and actually at the end of the article, it said that this means that there's every possibility that in the future, a pilot sitting on the ground will be able to land a plane through the mind of another pilot sitting in the pilot seat. Well, well in actual fact, Richard... Transference. That technology, forget thought transference for a minute, but that technology has been been around for over 20 years. NASA um, were testing an aircraft way, way, way back in the late 80s where the pilot put on a headset uh, that had rings of electrodes attached to the inside of the the helmet. And the helmet was able to read the brain... Well, it wasn't reading. It was able to transmit the brainwaves to uh, the flight computers, which operated the autopilot. So when the pilot thought left... Yes, 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 yes. And that technology has been kicking around. In fact, it's it's actually used in modern-day combat aircraft as part of the missile aiming systems on some aircraft now. And it's also used in actually on uh, some of uh, the vets who've lost limbs. They've actually been uh, experimenting with it where you can control artificial limbs uh, for those who are paralyzed. With your thoughts. With your thoughts. Yes, I know. But listen, guys, I've said this. I remember saying this on the show years ago, Ron, and and, and I'm still saying the same thing now. Um, I'm sure I don't know whether Steve remembers when the coal man used to come around with his horse and cart delivering the coal. But I do. I know, I'm sure you probably do, Ron, do you? Whether yeah. you have a coal man? Well, as you, you know, all of the, the, the horses in those days, they used to have what we call blinkers, but you call blinders. Right. And, and why did they wear blinders or blinkers? It was to stop them looking to the side. It was to stop them being frightened of what, what was going by, if you like. Now, the, the coal man's horse, he's lost his blinkers now or his blinders, but we've still got ours on. And the sooner we take them off and start looking around us and looking within us at our own minds, then the, the sooner we'll realise there's much more to us than we realise and that each person here is actually the centre of his own universe or her universe. I think I've, I think I've got to add a slight rider to that, Richard, because as you know, as you know, um, 
we the, equip, there are an awful lot of people out there who are using equipment, and it's important yep. that equipment can do things that the human can't. It it can objectify some of the things that if somebody says the temperature is falling, yeah, then we can measure that. Just drop, yes. Yeah, so um, it does have a place. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying throw all your ghost kit out. Throw most of your ghost kit out. <laughs> Me too. But, 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 please do keep your, your your cameras. Please do keep your audio recorders because yeah. if a sound, if you hear a sound, you should be able to rec- to record it and rectify it. Thermal images are are very useful tools, um, yep. as we've talked about previously. Indeed. Um, but they can only add to it. The only ghost detector, in my opinion, and I'm sure you agree with me, guys, is you and your dog. <laughs> your dog, about... <laughs> absolutely. I don't know about dogs. Oh, I think so. And your cat. And your horse. That's about it. Domestic animals. But they, you know, they see things that we don't. They sense things that we don't. Um, but we are the only ghost detector. And But all of the other equipment, as you say, all that can do is say... Yeah, do you know the temperature has has dropped around that guy? And but indeed, and indeed, there are some very good, well documented cases within psychical research where proper measurements done with calibrated, objective, uh, uh, you know, for, uh, industrial grade or lab grade equipment has objectified the experiences of people. Absolutely, you know, but it's still it, it's insufficient to say, "Oh, the room got colder." Or it was like walking into a freezer. Yeah. We can actually measure that stuff, and that's why equipment is useful. Yeah, it is, but you still can't say whether what's actually the ghost no, that he's seeing isn't actually in his mind. No, not, we haven't got to that stage yet. No, and no. Whether, whether we ever will is, is questionable. Sure. But sitting there chatting to... In fact, I remember a case with uh, up in Scotland, up in Edinburgh, the weekend that, that you and I were up there for the Ghost Fest, Richard, oh, God, when, yeah. when Kieran and I were doing something down in the vaults, and we had a couple come run up to us uh, exclaiming that they were communicating with the spirit and we should come, come see. And they were talking to the, um, memory access, the hard drive memory access light on the back of the camcorder. Yeah, um, which was flashing on and off as data was being written to the video, and what? they had, they had started to chatter to this light. <laughs> I kid you not, guys. Are you serious? I am yeah. deadly serious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard, I think Richard was up in um, uh, Greyfriars Cemetery Church Garden. That's right. Yeah. And then we joined him afterwards for 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 some fun and games. Indeed, um, we did. But we'd we'd had this this couple of ghost hunters telling us about the. The ghost that communicated by the camera light. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I know. Put the equipment back in the box and start ghost hunting properly. Thank you very much for that. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Get so, your death crystals out. So no, I wouldn't go that far you, either. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're almost uh, out of time. So, Richard, do you have your, a website that you want to give out or, or where can people well, get a hold of you? Basically, it's still the same. It's still Derby Jail. DerbyJail.com, G-A-O-L. But I'll tell you what, very quick, guys, I've got a couple of... Uh, we've got a, a big um, ghost fest taking place in Derby on Saturday and Sunday. We've got two guys coming over, uh, Amy Goodwin from Ghost Adventurers and Brian... Is it Brian J. Kano from Haunted Collector? We've got the yep, first... Yep, Kano, yep, Kano, yep. Brian J. Kano. I thought John Zaffis was going. Say again? I thought John Zaffis was going. Oh, it probably is. I'm not sure, but I just mentioned these two. Yeah, we've got Paracon uh, in Derby, organised by a couple of American uh, servicemen. Uh, the first of many in, in the most haunted city in Great Britain. 
Derby. You notice I wasn't invited. Well, no, well I, I was only invited <laughs> at the last, last minute. It's my city. Yeah. I know. How for we... Take over for the future and be bigger, See, Steve. They could have had the gold standard in ghost hunting and the ghost finder general. Well, next year, mate. Trust me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Anyways. All I got was the ice bucket challenge. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Thermal Dan uh, said, Steve, what about electronic raspberries? Is, is, is that a legitimate... Uh... <laughs> it certainly was at Fort Constitution, wasn't it? Every time I asked, every time I asked the American trooper, uh, the, the spirit of the American trooper, via yeah. the ghost box, all I got was an electronic... Well, as one does. <laughs> yeah. Say la vie. Say la vie. Yeah, something like that. So, Richard, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great to hear your voice. And, uh, you know, don't be shy. Give us a call once in a while. We'd love to have you on. And, you know, anytime. I was going to say, just before you disappear, Richard, you are going to, I am going to hear from you inside the next five years, aren't I? Yeah, I promise you. Promise you, (laughs) because I've missed you a lot. I want to work with you again. Oh, I don't know if you want to say that. (laughs) And you, Richard. And you. I work with them, Richard. I don't know if you want to. Hey, yeah. I'm still here, you know. There you oh, go. you're still here? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> when are you coming over, Ron? I keep asking you. They're working on it. Uh, as we speak. Great yeah. stuff. They're working on it. So uh, how's your wife doing as we do She's the... very well. She's absolutely... We're fostering children as well now as well. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got four little four little boys coming at the end of the week. God help me. Uh, five, six, seven. Five, six, seven and eleven. Um, so, yeah, as if we've not got enough on our plates, we're now doing oh, that. God bless you. So, it's all happening. Yeah, Keep so, busy. Well, never, I'll never forget my experience at Gettysburg with you. That's all I can say. Ah, uh, that was awesome is the only word I can use. Awesome. All right. We've got to wrap it up. So, all the best, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, good night. God bless everyone. From goalies to ghosties. Long-leggedy beasties and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law. Are you looking for something?